Today we'll be in the book of John, John 21. You can follow along if you would like. Um, before we get into that, though, question for you. Like, have you ever had this experience? Have you had that, that question that somebody asks that really just sets up, uh, you know, kind of puts on a tee, you know, a, a chance for you to share the gospel? Or to use a different sport analogy that kind of gives you that softball pitch of you sharing the gospel. Have you had someone say something like that? I, when I think back on my life, there's been moments. But the, the one that comes to mind was the, probably the easiest pitch of all. I remember being in high school. Think about a senior in high school. And I had this friend. Her name was Tara Asami. You know, you have like your really close friends and then there's that second tier of friends. And that was, she was kind of in there. So someone we'd hang out with, but maybe not every day, but Tara was a close friend. And we finished class. It was a sunny, sunny day, maybe, you know, fifth period. And it was that passing period going to a sixth period. And Tara just came up, you know, so we started walking and she said, Look, can I ask you a question? Said, yeah, sure, whatever. And she says, why are you so different? Like, there's something about you. You're just different than everybody else. Now, Tara was like, had a little edge to her, kind of short hair and like bleached, you know, up at the top. Back, that was the 80s, right? So very appropriate. She probably listened to a little bit too much Cure, the Smith, Depeche Mode kind of thing. And that was kind of her style. So for her to say, like, there's something about you, like, it meant something. And in that moment, as we're walking, it was just like, this is, per- this is what I've been praying for my whole life. Like, this kind of question. Put my arm around Tara and said, Tara i got to introduce you to somebody. This person has changed my life. This person can change your life too. It's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the one. He came into my life. He changed me. He's given me peace, and he's given me hope and joy and love, and he's called me on this mission to love others, and you're part of that, and I'm just sharing this joy, and you can have it too. Tara, you can have Christ in your life, and I would love to share that with you. That would have been a great answer. That is not the answer little 16-year-old Ethan gave. (laughs) Instead, kind of looking like, oh, how awkward do I want to make this? How spiritual? And and I just went for the, like, the kind of the insecure, like, I don't know. I'm not that different. It's just my personality, you know. Kind of, I just ended it. And she went to her class, my class. But 30 years later, like, I'm still, like, it's in my mind, like, what a terrible answer. Like, you could have just, like, what if you shared the gospel? What if, at least just say, I go to church. I mean, at least that. But I didn't do that. Have you had a similar situation? Someone at work or a family member or something where they kind of just set you up, and all you got to do is just say, it's Jesus, and you didn't do it. If you have, you're in good company with me, but even more importantly, we think about Peter, all right? One of the apostles, Peter, who, you know, kind of had been following Jesus and had been talking it up, had been made great strides, but at the, this crucial moment, the night that Jesus is arrested, he fails. He fails big. Today we're in this series called Encountering Jesus. We've been in this series for a few weeks. This is the end of it. We've been looking at the book of John and just not looking so much at the teaching aspects, 
But the interactions, when Jesus meets somebody, what does he say? How does he say it? Uh, what's the kind of the tone and the message, and, and how does he bring hope into that? And so we've looked at different people, and we'll wrap it up with Peter. And Peter's just this unique personality. You know, he has already become a follower of Jesus, and now he has, you know, kind of committed. He talks big, but he had this moment where he failed. And now, as we look at this passage in John 21, we want to see, like, how does Jesus respond to him? Right? Does, he, does he love him and bring him back into this relationship, or is he grumpy with him? Or is he kind of like, you denied me, I'm denying you. you know? Or you were a starter, now you're on the bench type thing. I mean, what is, how does that interaction go? Because it's, it's important, because I think for any of us, who feel that way, we wonder the same thing. Just when we've messed up, when we've sinned, when we've denied him or disobeyed or whatever it is, do we have a second chance? Does he bring us back into this relationship? Would he restore us? Well, as we get to the end of John, it, you know, each gospel kind of ends with this punch. You know, there's a it's not just that he kind of ran out of pages and ran out of ink, and well, I'll end it here. It's significant when they end it. It's bringing it all together. And you see that through all the Gospels, right? Like Matthew, you know, just great book, and it ends with this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples, right? Make disciples, teach them, you know, to follow me, to baptize them. And he says, I am with you to the ends of the earth. Like, what a great ending. It's just this mission statement that he gives to the church and to all the disciples, you see that also in Mark. And at Mark, it ends, and Jesus says, I need you to take this message around the world. And then it says, and he went up to heaven, sat at the right hand of God, and the disciples did that. They took the message to the ends of the earth. Cool little way he wraps it up. And Luke, Luke kind of, you know, shares uh, the story of Jesus as he's walking along, and he's um, on the road to Emmaus, and he's sharing all of the, the whole insights of the Old Testament and how it relates to him, and he shares it with his disciples, right? And then he says, now wait for the, the Spirit to come, and then you're going to take this message wherever I send you. And it's cool how it ends. They go back into the temple, the very place where they didn't want Jesus to be, the very place where they didn't like him. They go back there, and they start sharing the gospel, and then eventually you see it spread to the ends of the earth. And so you see all those really cool, like, missional things. But then you get to the end of John, and you get a story. Just a cool story, a, a real intimate story. It's not a call to everybody. It's not a call to the whole world in a mission, but it's a call to Peter. A very personal story. And it says, Peter, follow me. You see him becoming restored. So today, you know, here's why I want us to hear this. Because we have these moments of disobedience. We have these moments of rebellion. We have these moments that are not our proudest moment. And how do we respond? Well, here's what I want all of us to remember this, is that despite our failings, our inadequacies, our insecurities, whatever, Come back to Jesus. Jump into the water. Swim to him. Come run into him because he's the one that will restore us and who restore us with love. Okay, so that's what I want us to hear. Come to Jesus. He's the one that will give us love, give us a mission, get us back on track. All right? So, Peter, a man of great highs and great lows. 
Okay, he's had these really great moments throughout the Gospels. You see him uh, really playing a key part. Jesus has 12 disciples, but there's this, this group of three, Peter, James, and John, which really get kind of the close view of Jesus. And Peter, obviously, is one of them. This great moment earlier in the Gospels when Jesus is transfigured. It means this is a time where the glory of God comes on him, and he kind of pulls back the curtains of heaven, and you see just this glory of Jesus come. And it was Peter, James, and John that were there. You have this great call of Jesus when he calls Peter. He says, I'm changing your name, right? From Simon to Peter, you are a rock. And on this rock, on you, Peter, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter, you're going to have a a really key moment in what is to come. Just before Jesus was arrested, he was in the garden, just distraught and he asked for these three people Peter being one of them to come and to pray with him and of course they fall asleep but it's Peter that is there he gets this little special place you see a little bit later on even too when um, uh, I mean Peter be the only one who like tries to protect Jesus you know when when the guards come he tries to protect him but after Jesus dies and he when he's resurrected who is it that's the first to the grave it's Peter like there's really Peter has this really key uh, position with the disciples and he's important he has a he, he talks a, a big game though too right Remember when, uh, when Jesus is going to wash their feet? We covered this a few weeks ago. And he's going to wash his feet. And Peter's like, don't just wash my feet. Like, wash all of me. I'm all in. I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm all there with you. When Jesus says, hey, where I'm going, you can't follow me. Peter's like, I can follow you. I'll do it. I don't know about these guys. You know, these kind of half-hearted kind of people. But I can do it. I'll follow you. Jesus says, you're... Where I'm going, you're not going to follow me. Instead, instead of following me, you're going to deny me. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you knew me three times. Okay, Peter, I know. I love your heart. I love your passion. But you're not all there. But there's a, you're in process. You're going to develop. So this is kind of who Peter is. Now let's kind of pick up here with the story in John chapter 21. We've, he's denied him. He's seen Jesus twice now. It kind of is a large group. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to guys to go to Galilee and wait for me. So they go up to Galilee. This is a place where they grew up. They're very familiar with it. But they were lost. They're kind of this in-between mission, so to speak. When Jesus was alive, the mission was to follow him. Now Jesus, uh, he's died. He resurrected. He's kind of here and there. He comes and goes, and they don't really know what the mission is. How do I follow somebody who's not here? And they're in between. They're a little bit lost. But Jesus reminds them, reminds us of our calling. In times like this, when we feel a little bit lost, and we're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, that's when Jesus gets our attention. And he does that to these guys. They're up in Galilee. They're hanging out. They're just waiting. And Peter says, well, there's nothing going on tonight, so I'm going fishing. Right? The town is a little bit dead. Let's go. I'm going to go fishing. And so they say, we'll go with you. Because fishing back then is not a solitary sport. It is you need people. Right? It's not, don't think fishing pole. Think nets and lots of people and, and hard work and that kind of thing. And so they go out that night and spend the whole night. You know, uh, fish are supposed to be eating you know, late at night or you know, early in the morning. But morning comes and there's nothing. Maybe they're a little bit rusty. You know, had been a few years since they had done this. 
They have nothing to show for it. And nobody, experienced fishermen or whatever, wants to admit that. But here in the morning, the sun starts coming up, the day breaks, and there's this guy on the shore, 100 yards away, so think of football field distance away. And this person says, hey, friends, actually kind of more like children or lads. Hey, hey, lads, you don't have anything, did you? You didn't catch anything, did you? It's kind of a funny way to say it. It's not like, did you catch any fish? Uh, not yet, but we were close. You know, the big one got away kind of thing. He says, you didn't catch anything, did you? And they're like, no. You know, you just hear this disappointment in their, in their voices, no. And then this person from the land from a long ways away says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You'll catch something. All right, most, you know, experienced fishermen are like, dude, Come on, don't tell me. You're a long ways away. You can't, we're looking. I don't see any fish biting right here. There's nothing swimming here. Most would have probably said no. I don't know how long it took, but eventually they did. They said, all right, well, nothing. Let's weather or lose. Let's try this, and then we'll go in. You know, so they throw their nets over, and boom, right? All the fish come in. Just All these fish just start pouring into the nets, and they're just excited. They're just looking at all, look at this. Come help, help. All of them are focused on this fish, except for one guy, not Peter. Peter's like all about the fish. But John, right? John, you can see him kind of looking at it. But then this is how I played out in my mind. He's like, looks to the shore, looks at that person, looks back at the fish, looks to the shore. It's like, this sounds familiar. This has happened to us before. Back in Luke chapter 5, there's a story of when he was called, when Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, when they were called, this is how it happened, that, Peter, that Jesus came, you know, he came in the morning, he preached a sermon, and he said, guys, after the sermon, let's, let's go out and fish. And remember Simon says, Master, we've been out all night, we haven't caught anything, but if you want to, let's go do it, fine, we'll appease you. And they go out, and remember what happens? They put down their nets, and they catch so much fish like their nets are breaking. They call another boat in, and they gather all these fish, and fish just keep coming, and pretty soon their boats are starting to sink. And that's when Peter realizes that this is somebody special. And do you remember what he does? Do you remember what he does? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Get away. Get off this boat. I'm a sinful man. This boat is sin. Like, you need to get away. But what does Jesus say? For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John. He's there. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You'd imagine Simon's like, you're going to have to explain that to me. <laughs> I get the catching fish. People, I don't get. We'll, but we'll get to that later. So they pulled up their boats on shore. They left everything and followed him. So here, this is three years ago. This is how Jesus called them. And he's the, all the fish, the nets, and the boats. And, and you could see John just kind of like, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Hey, everybody, it's the Lord. And they're still... Fish, fish, fish. And you could just see him like take Peter's face and like, it's Jesus. Like, put it together. That's Jesus. And then it dawns on Peter too, apparently. Like, you're right, it is. And 
Peter doesn't waste any time. He doesn't like, hey, Jesus, give us a minute. We're going to, we'll start, we'll come in. Give us a few minutes. It'll take a few minutes to row all these fish in. He just jumps in, just jumps in the water 100 yards and starts swimming, swimming all the way. And the other guys are like, thanks, Peter. You're the, you're the muscle. You're our muscle. And now we got to, you know, do this. Today. You know, and I don't know. I don't know how good of a swimmer. They might have beat him. <laughs> so I don't know. But he gets out. He's cold. It's wet. It's early morning. But there's a fire. A charcoal fire, interestingly enough. And Jesus is there with some fish and some bread and a meal that they've certainly had many times before. Is the meal that when he fed the 5,000, what was it? Fish and bread. But here's a charcoal fire, and here's where it gets interesting, guys. Do you know that there's two times in the Bible that there's mentioned specifically a charcoal fire? Here, in a couple chapters before, when Peter denied Jesus the third time. Do you remember? It was out in the courtyard, and it was at a charcoal fire. So here is Jesus. I mean, he's... I don't know if he gathered, you know, the material or brought it or just a miracle. I, we don't know that. But he charcoal fire, that's significant. Could have done a bonfire of wood and all of that, but he chose charcoal. You can see them as they're kind of warming up and as they're eating their breakfast. You know how after that, you know, when you're at a fire, you just kind of gaze, you kind of lose, and you just gaze into that fire. And you could just, I could just see Pit Peter like, that's a charcoal fire. And smelling that charcoal smell and the olfactory senses kind of kicking in. And you know when you smell something and it brings back memories? You remember that? Like I remember we, would, we lived up in Fresno and we'd go to Yosemite all the time. Whenever somebody came to visit, we went to Yosemite. And uh, I've been there so many times. And here's, here's always what happened every single time. You drive, drive, drive. And right when the pine trees are there, that's when the roads get curvy. You know, and so my parents would be like, there's the pine, roll down the windows. And I'd be like, there's the pine, now I'm sick. And so I always equated pine tree with, with road sickness. And it was for years, you know, someone like light a pine candle. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right? Like, it's powerful. You know, I could just see Peter, like, just enjoying the fish and all of that. And then seeing the charcoal smell in it. And all of a sudden, just the pit in his stomach comes like, oh, yeah. I remember that fire. It's where I didn't just deny Jesus. Like, I let out, like, this, all these cuss words saying, I don't know him. Leave me alone. It was not a good moment. But this is where things change. But Jesus comes, and he just, he he's, he's deals gently with him, with Peter. And they all eat, and then he has this discussion, and he kind of says, like, hey, Peter, I'm going to ask you some questions. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Lord. And remember, he's, if they're not alone, they're with all the, these six other disciples. When they had finished eating, he said to Simon Peter, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? It's a little bit vague. Right? What does these mean? I mean, it could be three things, maybe, maybe more, but do, do you love me more than these guys, these disciples? Do you love me more than they love me? That's, that's probably what it is, but that's, that's one. It, it could mean, do, do you love me more than you love these guys? Like, these are your friends, your brother, like, do you love them more than you love me? Who do you love more? 
Or, or it could be, do you love me more than these? The, the fish, the, the boats, the sea. You know, you were a fisherman. I know you love that. You followed me. But what do you love now? Me or these things? Like, it could be any of those. They all make sense. And if it's a question that if Jesus was asking you today, he might say that the same thing to you. Do you love me more than you love golf? Do you love me more than you love trying out new restaurants? Do you love me more than you love your family and friends? How much do you love me? Do you love me more than anybody else? Like, whatever it is, it's, it's a good question to ask. And so he, he asks them, and, and Peter kind of like, um, yeah, I love, love you, Lord. This is a little awkward. I'm not sure how to say this in front of people, but um, I love you. You know that I love you. Then Jesus says, good, feed, feed my lambs. Okay, we're talking fish, and now we're talking lambs. All right, okay, get it, all right, from fisherman to shepherd, all right. I mean, he says it again in verse 16. He says, and then Jesus again said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, just feed my sheep. Did he have to ask three times? Wasn't one time enough? I believe that there's some intention with the charcoal fire, with the three times that you denied me, three times that people asked if you knew me, you said no. Three times I'm going to ask if you love me. And it was interesting, on the third time, on both of those scenarios, he got emotional, right? He gets emotional, and he gets emotional, and he's like, you have to ask me a third time, you know it. But he calls him on mission, and he says, I, here's what I, I don't need you to be perfect, Peter, but here's what I need. I need you to love me. I need you to love me. You said over the years how much you love me and how much you're going to follow. You said that, but... But I knew you had to go through this. You went through some hard times, but those hard times made you into who you are now. And now, I know you love me. He tells him what else is going to happen. He kind of goes on with the story. He says, here's, here's, very truly I tell you in verse 18, when you were younger, you'd get dressed by yourself and you'd go where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. See, here's what's going on. He says, you know, Peter, I knew before that you, you, had, you talked a big game, but you couldn't follow it up, right? You're writing checks, you, your bank couldn't cash, right? Now, you're in a new place, right? And, and I know that you're going to follow me. You're not going to do this again because I know that you're going you're gonna to follow me to death. And someone's going to lead you, lead you to death where you don't want to go. And tradition says that he was crucified. Maybe upside down. I don't know. But he was led. He, he followed Christ for the rest of his life. To death. And it all starts with this 
question on love. And then just go now. Now that you love me, I need you just to take care of my people. And Peter would. He would be the one that would build this church. He would, he would preach the message. Here in just a few days later, a few weeks later, he would preach the message. He would feed the people. Thousands of people would come to Christ. He would take care of them. He would tend them. That was his role. But it all comes to this. He says, follow me. Two words. Peter, I'm not done with you. Right? I'm not done with you. You've had your moment. You grew from it. You love me. Now follow me. And true to Peter's personality, he can't let it go. Right? We see the story continues and he says, he looks over his shoulder and he's like, looks at John and he says, what about him? What about him, Jesus? And I feel like there's this like friendly little rivalry with them, you know, they're always like, you know, when they run to the tomb, Peter goes, but John passes, or Peter passes John, but then John goes in first and all these kinds of things. And what about him? And that's where Jesus just says, don't worry about him. If I want him to stay alive until I return, that's not your business. It doesn't matter. You follow me. That's the story. Why is it there? What's the purpose? What do we learn from this? Lots that we can probably pull out. But here's just a couple things as we wrap this up. The church is built on failure but on forgiveness. The church is built on grace. It's not perfection. It's grace. If you're perfect, you don't need grace. Grace is for those who struggle, who keep trying, but we end up on the wrong side. You know, the good Tara Asami questions are laid out for us and we fail at it. We need grace and the church is built on grace. He had three denials, but he was countered with three questions of love, three questions of or calling to mission. Your failures, mine, are not the end of the story, okay? They're not the end of the story. Your sin, our failures, they drive us towards forgiveness. It, It brings us to experience the love of God, his love and his mercy. I mean, isn't it crazy that first time when Peter was in the boat and and this, he sees, he kind of sees this fresh view of Jesus and he falls and he says, get away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sinful man. But the second time, that's Jesus. He jumps in the water. I kind of expected him to do the opposite, to kind of pull a Jonah kind of thing. Like, oh, all right, um, guys, we're kind of at this awkward position. Why don't you kind of pushes everybody else into the water and like rows the other way. See you guys. Kind of, I mean, that's, could happen. We've seen that. But he runs, swims towards Jesus because he knows who Jesus is. He's a man. He's a God of love, a God of grace. Right? Not of this judgment and, and being perfect. He says, come as you are. And this time he responds. I mean, this is why I love this story. It's because If you don't have the story, Peter's kind of like, okay, what's my role here? And my guess is that he goes one of two ways, which we see in the church. One way is like, well, I have no authority. I I can't speak on this. 
right? I, what do I have to offer you? I don't have anything to tell you. I mean, when it came for me, I denied him. And I'm, you know, I still feel bad. I mean, just try harder. I don't know what else to tell you. He could do that. And we see that in the church. People just say, like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't, I don't know what to do. Or the other side, which is like, you know what? I'm, I failed them once. I'm never going to fail them again. I want to make sure my family doesn't fail. My friends, none of you are going to fail him. We're going to get it right. We're going to do it. We're going to get it. We're going to love Jesus with all of our hearts, and we're going to keep trying. Don't you see that, though, too? Some people do that. But that's not what we see here. We don't see this, oh, just try harder, or eh, don't try at all. I don't know. It's too hard. No, you see Jesus coming back and just saying, do you love me? I then I have a job for you. I have a mission. Go love on people. Love the people in the church. Love the people outside of the church. Love all these people. Love me. That's different. It's not try harder or don't try at all. It's just love me. And out of that love, follow me. That's why we need this. Do you love Jesus? If you do, just, just respond out of love. Love, care for the people around you. So the church is built on this understanding of grace. It's also the church has a mission. And our mission is to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. We're Jesus followers. That's what we are. He tells them, like, I just love to just see the story of Peter. And we, throughout the book of Acts and throughout the, the, the rest of the scriptures, we see how he did, how he responded, and how he followed. And he wrote a book on that. And he wrote a book on how important it is to love Jesus and to love those other people, the community of saints. And that's what we are. We're a community of people following Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we do. Never forget those words. Follow me. If you're looking for a good tattoo, that's a good one. <laughs> Write it in Greek. It's even cooler. All right? But what a good thing to remember. Follow me. And how do we follow? Like, you follow by just keeping your eyes on Jesus. You, you give him your attention. All right? You look at him. You listen. You speak. And you've done yoga before? Remember the first time you went to a yoga class and you didn't know anything? And you're like, the instructor's up there just saying, just, just follow me, just watch what I do. You won't be able to do it. <laughs> I'm an expert, you're not. But just watch me. And you do, you're like, you're like downward dog and you're looking and trying to like, what do I got to do now? What, you, know. you follow, you're just watching, you're engaged. The, the person who just says, um, I don't need to watch or I... You know, I just look one time, okay, I got it. And you could do lots of things, but you're not doing yoga because you, you haven't watched. Right? Or, or directions. You guys, you maybe use your phone for directions and navigations. And let's say you're going to L.A., a really nice restaurant. And you know how to get out of your neighborhood. You know how to get to the freeway. But then, you know, you kind of get to L.A. County and you got to put in your navigation and you, you, you turn down the radio, you know. Like, guys, stop, stop. I got to pay attention. You know, I got to follow this. I got to keep my eyes on this, you know, and you're, you're attuned to it. That's how it is with Christ. It's just, just following him, paying attention. 
some people maybe here, like, we look to Jesus uh, on Sunday, Sunday only. We come to church, and this is our time to, to look to him. And you come maybe two, three times a, a month. And so you have like these two or three times a month where you're, you're looking to Jesus. But is that following him? That's not. That's good. I mean, I'm glad you're here. That's, that's the beginning point. But as we follow Jesus, it's learning how to hear him and engage with him on a daily basis. Like using our eyes to read and our, our lips to just talk with him and our ears to hear, hear him, to set our minds, minds and our hearts on him, to think about what he says and to give him our affections. Like, it's not something we do just once a, a, a week. We do this throughout our lives. And we have a, a, a Bible reading program that we start at the beginning of the year. It's very easy to do, and I would encourage you just to, if you haven't joined us, if you're not doing anything, join us. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 3, right? It's been a whole year, almost 10 months, and we're, uh, you know, just in 2 Samuel. We've only done this much, but the point is, yeah, we could do more. We could do three, five, eight chapters a day. We could get done in a, I don't know, three months or whatever or a year, but that's a lot. And that's great. If some of you want to do more good, do it. But I just want us to see, to have a congregation that's just daily, just sitting with the Word, coming to God's Word. So if you're interested, it's online on our website, Road to Emmaus. Just jump on that. And, but whatever it is, it's this following Him just daily, learning that. And that's what He tells Peter. So that's important, right? As we, what's our mission? Our mission is to follow Him. But here's what I, I'll end with this. Don't compare to others. Okay, remember, Peter's like, well, what about him? What about John? He says, that's not your concern. It doesn't matter about that person. What matters is you. Keep your eyes here. My guess is that maybe over this sermon, you've looked around and you've already done that. You've already compared yourself to somebody. Like, well, I'm not as good as that person. I mean, that person, that, they read scripture in front of the stage over there. They play music. I can't, I'm not there. You're comparing. Don't do it. Or you've said, well, <laughs> I read more than one chapter a day. I'm way, way past that. Like, I'm, I'm so much further along. Like, no, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about the person next to you or in front of you or behind you. It doesn't matter. It's you. What is Lord calling you to do? And what's the pace? He might ask you just to walk while someone else is running, or he asks you to run while someone else is walking, it doesn't matter. It's just following Christ. That's our mission. There's a lot of things to do in the church. There's a lot of things that can sidetrack us throughout life. But this is it. Following Christ. So as you wrap up this story, this book, John wrote this amazing book, and he ends it with this story. It's not a call to the whole, you know, all the disciples. It's not a call to the whole church. This is called the one person. And I love how that fits in Scripture. What is God calling you? Where is he calling you to go? I don't know what your mission is or, or, or uh, you know, what he's calling you specifically, but I know what he's calling you. He's saying, just follow me. Put your eyes on me, and I've got you. I'm going to lead you. You might have had some moments in your past you're not proud of. 
right? You might have had that little great question on the tee that you swung and missed. That's okay. Come back. You know, Peter had these two calls. One, the beginning with a whole bunch of fish in his boat. Follow me, he did. And then again later on, again. All right, after all that, bunch of fish in the boat, follow me. So wherever you're at, put your eyes on Jesus. If you feel far from him, come towards him. Move towards him. Jump in and swim or run or row or whatever that looks like, but put your eyes on him and say, Lord, I'm going to love you the best I can. I'm going to follow you the best I can. And that's all he asks. Right? He will meet us. The Spirit will guide us. So that's what I want for us today. May we be a church that follows him, that seeks Jesus. Let's move towards him. Amen.